1 Kings 19. You know, and um, really, the worship really fits in. We're worshiping the Lord there. It really fits in for what I want to talk about, which is fear. Because now, I know me and Charles are well, the worst singers in here. But if we get to a point as a church that we can only worship when Joseph's here, we're in trouble, aren't we? Amen. Aren't we? We're in trouble. And if you don't like the guitar playing or singing, learn. <laughs> but it is his fear, isn't it? What's the enemy's goal? What's his destroy? Basically, destroy your relationship with the Lord. And part of it is worship. Joseph says we sing love songs to the Lord, doesn't he? Feel sorry for Mary. Because <laughs> my voice ain't never been good. But I want to talk about fear tonight because there's one thing and we all suffer with it and it is fear. Fear of the unknown because the enemy can attack. Now, words sometimes can be more fearful than actual punches. I've been punched before, got over it. Pain only lasts a while but when someone puts fear into you, have any of you ever been chased? Chased. Someone's going to scalp you and you've been ch- you're being chased. You know, if you fall over, you're going to cob it. That's happened to me a couple of times. But it's fear. But as Christians, can I tell you something? It's a choice whether we fear or not. It's a choice. Because the Bible always tells us not to fear. So if we're not to fear, and God's not given us a spirit of fear, any situation what we're going through, We've got a choice whether to stay there or not. So let's pray, because we're going to learn something about fear tonight from Elijah. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you tonight, and we do pray. We pray tonight that as we go through this, my God, we just want to show that, that Lord, that we are not to fear as Christians, that we're your children, that we belong to you, that, that Lord, that the victory is already won in you. Whatever we face, Lord, we have the victory. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you'd help us understand more of you, my Lord. And help us find that comfort in you. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, 1, um, 1 Kings chapter 19, and we read from verse 1. And he says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also, how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also... If, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down at the broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then he lay and slept under a broom tree then suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. 
So he arose, ate and drank, and went in strength of that food for forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. We'll stop there for a minute. So, just before this chapter, you had the, the famous fire from heaven. Elijah against the, the prophets of Baal when, you know, he said, look, we'll see who's the real God. He said to the prophets of Baal, Whoever, whichever God sends fire down from heaven is the true God. And he said, like they was making sacrifices, killing themselves, screaming out, but nothing happened with the Baal God. But when Elijah done it, fire came down from heaven and they slaughtered the prophets of Baal. We had a great victory, right? The, 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 listen, everyone loves talking about Elijah. When you think of prophets in the Bible, it's always Elijah. But yet, as soon as this has happened, it's, it, was just, it was just a voice that fret Elijah. When you read it, it was just Jezebel. Right, when you read this, she knew where Elijah was. She knew where Elijah was because she sent messengers to Elijah. If Jezebel, Jezebel meant business, she wouldn't have sent a messenger, would she? She would have sent soldiers to kill Elijah. But she, she see, she was clever. Because she knew she could either make a martyr out of Elijah. Like, well, if I kill him, all these people would make him stronger. You know, they'd be old Elijah up with like this godlike status. Or what I can do is put fear into him and make him run. And then go, where's your prophet now? You see, it's just a voice. That's all it was. You see, when you've got that scripture in James, when it says your adversary goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, the roar puts fear into people. Before the enemy can devour you, he's got, he puts fear there. Well, and that's what he does, isn't it? It's the same attack. He wants to put fear into you. But as Christians, we are not the fear. Do you know, we've already had, we've won the victory. Jesus died upon the cross at Calvary, defeated Satan. Satan's a defeated foe. In fact, the Bible says, it says we're more than conquerors. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Now, a conqueror is someone that wins lands and keeps having victories over armies. More than a conqueror is, the battle's won, go and reap the reward of it. And do you know for us in here, Jesus Christ has won the battle, we reap the rewards of that battle. But so many Christians are bound up by the enemy, he's got them in a position where he can get, and it puzzles me, how can he get a Christian to a point where there's no hope, where he gets them in such a fear of the unknown? Because it's not the men in it. You go to work, sometimes you have it on, and you think, where's the next penny coming from? Am I right? Has you has ever been there? And he puts you into that fearful state and thinking, you know, you, you can't sleep. You're awake at night. Rent's got to be paid next, you know, end of the week. Electric's gone up. Food's gone up. Where's the next money coming from? But, but, then, but when Jesus talks about it, he says, don't fear. He says, ain't you worth more than many sparrows? If I can take care of them, can't I take care of you? But what's the words he said? Don't fear. Do you know why? Because our trust is meant to be in the Lord. And there's three forms of attack that a Christian's got. There's the attack of the world, the devil, and the flesh. Right? Or every one of us has got that battle. All of us. The devil attacks us. There's pressures on the, from the world. And your own flesh can tempt you. 
right? But the Bible says that we ain't got to give in to none of that. There's got, there ain't got to be nothing there we, we should fear. Nothing. Because we should have faith. Now, that's why the enemy's clever here with Jezebel. I remember, like I was thinking about it today, because the enemy, he don't leave off. Even with Jesus, he says he, wait, he waits. He comes back for an opportune time. With the disciples, I come back for another time. The attack's relentless. A Christian goes for attack after attack. It's, it's constant. You might have a few little bit of time where there's no attacks, but it's always there. And I remember years ago, I watched a football match on the telly. Liverpool were playing someone. Well, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I was playing someone, and the commentator said this. He says, Liverpool went a goal down. And he said, Liverpool are the most dangerous when they're behind. When they're losing, they're the most dangerous. Because they up the ante. They go for it even more. And if any of you have played football in here, you know if you score a goal and you're winning, the adrenaline's pumping, and you can't keep your concentration. And it's the same. When we give victories in the Lord like Elijah had here, the adrenaline's pumping. Imagine this. He's walked straight off. The prophets are bowed dead. He's had the victory. It's, oh, it's, he's on cloud nine, isn't he? He's, he's on the mountaintop. But it didn't take a lot of soldiers to come in, did it? Did it? What did it just take? A voice of a woman. That's all it was. I don't think Elijah himself see it coming. A voice, and that's all it is. And it's the voice of the enemy. He can utter threat after threat, and that does more damage than anything. If he can get you in a place of fear, has he ever got you in a place of fear? Like you're going through something and you're going, Why me, Lord? Don't you love me, Lord? Or he can even turn it so much and go, make you say, Why are you doing this to me, Lord? Has anyone else been there? When he said that, why are you? But we're not to get, we're not to listen to that voice of the enemy, because we, you know, we in church it's easy to be a Christian in here. We can all come here every week and it's everyone smiling. I'm a Christian, but real Christianity is Monday to Saturday, isn't it? That's when Christianity is. That's where the enemy attacks the most. And I'm, and you, what you find is, we we get to a point where. The enemy gets us on our own and isolates us and gets us bound and won't let us open up to one another. Because if you're low, you're feeling down. If he has got you in a fearful place, share it with a brother and sister that you trust. Pray together. There's strength in prayer. God's give us one another. But don't let the enemy isolate you. Because once he does that, it can be game over. And like I said, it's the threat. It's the threat that does it. And it can just put you down. And what happens is, when you're under threat by the enemy, and the fear's there, and it a constant thinking, do you think about it when you've you got fear happening? You try and give it over to the Lord, but you can't. You're trying to pray about it, Lord, I'll give this over to you fully, Lord. When you finish praying, it's there again. It's there again. The enemy don't stop talking. He don't stop talking, and that... But, and what did it take? Elijah here, it says, the first thing he'd done, he got up and he went to Beersheba, which was 80 miles from where he was. So the, the wrong thing that Elijah done here, the Lord never told him to run. He never sought the Lord about this at all. Fear took hold of Elijah's life and Elijah ran. And that's a danger. 
because he never sought the Lord. And every one of us, wherever you're going through in this place, wherever we're going through, we got to take, we got, we, the Lord's got to be in it. We've got to talk to the Lord. Because until ultimately the voice of the Lord speaks to him, in the end, by the end of this chapter, Elijah's gone 400 miles away from where he was at, at the start. Until he hears that voice. And I think sometimes with us, we just, we don't even bother seeking God. You either get, you either get to a point where you don't think he can do anything, that the enemy's so powerful that he can't do anything, or, we, or stupidly, and I'll speak for myself on this, I think I'm strong enough to have the victory myself. But I ain't. I'm weak. I'll get weak. Yous get weak. And what the enemy does, he knows that. He knows we get weak. He knows we're our most vulnerable when we're on the mountaintop. And that's when the attack comes. He eats you. And then everything around you just seems to be crumbling and crumbling and crumbling. And before you know it, you're miles away from the Lord. Where I believe myself, if Elijah would have sought the Lord at the start, he want to run. He want to run. But as you go on, like he's left his servant now in verse three, and there he says, "But verse four, he went himself a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that the Lord he may die. It's enough, there, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's." So, I know a lot of people say Elijah had pity. He felt sorry for himself here. To do 20 or 30 miles, just to go, which he's done, that's a day's journey. So he's done 80 miles. To do 30 miles, I reckon, it's 10 hours. Right, to do 30 miles. So he, at this point, he's done 110 miles. So it's a fair old way, isn't it, that he's done. What do you think would have been on Elijah's mind all that way? Now, he never, he never prayed at this point, and this is where he prays. So he's gone hundreds of miles. What do you think's been on his mind? Is the fear of that woman, wasn't it? That's what was on Elijah's mind. And he gets self-pity here because, oh, I want to die, take my life, and they say, oh, he's feeling sorry for himself. Have you ever been so fearful or had something play on your mind that much that you, you can't shift it? No matter how you try and think different, it's there and you're constant and you're thinking it for days and days, sometimes even weeks. Been there myself where you're constantly thinking about it, you can't sleep, it's on your mind, you're worried. And that's what's on his mind. He's got in a state, the enemy's played on his mind so much that he's gotten to a point, take my life away from me, Lord. When you read a few chapters back, the widow and her son, you know, when it was the jar of oil wouldn't run out. She said, he said, give me, give, me some, give, me some, give me some food. She went, look, I'm making this cake. We're going to eat it. And me and my son's going to die. We're just waiting to starve to death. Elijah had enough faith there to go, no, you're not. That jar of oil's not going to run dry. Until, until it rains again, you're going to, that's going to keep up pouring. But yet for his own life, when the enemy attacked him, it got him right in that place. He had enough faith that the Lord would do it for a woman and her son, but didn't have enough faith that the Lord would do it for himself. And I think for me and you, we all suffer from that. I can pray for anyone in this place, and when I pray with you, I'll, I'll pray in faith that the Lord will sort whatever you want out. And I'll pray 100%, always do. But yes, sometimes in my own life, and I could be going for a simpler thing, 
I don't think the law can do it. And I think a lot of us suffer with that in here. Because when we pray for someone else, we're not in their situation, are we? It's real when we're in it. But the Bible says, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this man, he'd be cast into the sea. It's only small faith, but we can have faith that the Lord can sort of of situations out. It's not easy. We're not promised a a lovely, cushy time in the Lord where, you know, we're going to come to church, sing lovely songs, hear words, everyone's nice. Christianity ain't like that. In fact, Jesus promised us the opposite there's going to be. We're going to face trials in this world. We're going to have, oh, we're going to suffer pain. We're going to suffer all these things. But Jesus says, don't worry about it. I've overcome the world. I've had the victory. And if you keep your eyes on me, whatever you face, you get through it. You've got no need to fear. Do you know, we're children of the living God. We're children of God. What have we to fear? I've got my own children. I'd do anything for them. If they're in trouble, I'd help them. You know, if I want them to tell me if they're going through things, I want them to speak to me. I wouldn't let my children come to harm. Do you think the living God would let, let us come to harm? In that, do you think he doesn't care about you? He does. He loves you. You're his child. Then you come to him as a child. But listen, we, we, and too many times I find myself, I find myself like Elijah, running, running from things. Fearful of things. When I should be a man of faith. You know, Charles said there, grace through faith at the start. There is workmanship. We're not saved by ourselves and he creates everything that we got to walk in. But because of me, I'm the biggest letdown in my Christianity. I'm the one that is the enemy's voice like Elijah did here. And let him, you know sometimes alienate me away from my relationship with the Lord that I can't pray right or I can't read right I can't fellowship I do the things that I want because I'm because instead of taking notice of what Jesus says and putting my faith and trust in him and not taking heed of what, what's happening I just get drawn further away and I can come in this place I can come in here and act normal but inside I could be flat as a pancake there could be nothing there. I could just come in here and think, I can just go through the motions that there's nothing. Feel empty. But that no, ain't got to stay that way, is it? Jesus cried out. He says, all you that are thirsty, he said, come and drink. He says, I'll give you water and it'd be abundant. It'd be a life. He'll give you that. And if you're feeling flat in this place, or low, the offer's there tonight. We're leaking vessels. That's what we are. We're leaking vessels, but the offer's there tonight. Let the Spirit of God overflow in your life. Say, Lord, I'm weak. I'm leaking. I feel empty. Fill me again, O oh Lord. Fill me. And he'll pour in. Do you know, when God said something, when Jesus said, come and drink of the living water, that I'll give you a drink that you won't ever thirst of again. Do you know, that's there for you tonight. And it's only by faith that we can have it. We can pray, believe him. And Jesus Christ, the fill us anew. You see, because the thing is, you know when we're fearful and weak and we feel, you know when you, you feel like there's nothing there? The enemy's good at keeping you there. He wants to keep you away from prayer because he knows that just one prayer you can go from there 
at the bottom and you could be up here in an instant. That's the change that one prayer can make. And he can do that tonight. He can do it tonight. You know, and he's sleeping there and he says, the angel of the Lord come to him and give him food. And he went for 40 days and 40 nights on this food. A time of testing. Right, and when we get to the cave bit, because I want to just get to that. Because he's at the cave now where he's, he's gone all this way and now God's going to talk to him. And he says, And Elijah went in the cave and spent a night in that place. And behold, the Lord came to him and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts and for the children of Israel. have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars, killed your prophets by the sword. I'm alone and, I'm alone and left. And they seek to take my life. They said, and then, you know, so he's, he's there. He's still thinking about it all this time. But what God's doing now, God knows why he's there. But he's drawing it out of him. He's drawing like a good doctor. You know, this, I, I, I'm not a fan of, I know we go to doctors, but I, I ain't going to the doctors. Because you, you feel like you're a criminal. If they say what your elf's like, you know, if, it's like they, 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 you're a criminal going, oh, it's like they're you're in front of a gather. Right, but... A good doctor, what they do? They draw every symptom out of you. Right? And then they tell you the problem. This is what's happened to you. And this is the cure for it. And that's what God's doing with Elijah. He's drawing it out of him. What are you doing here? Yeah, he prayed it right back in verse 4. But now it's one-to-one time now. Now talk to me. You can't hide nothing from me, Elijah. There's nothing. I know what you're thinking. I know what's going in your heart. I know all that, Elijah. But let's draw it out of you. First things first, I've got to make sure you're in my voice. And that's what he does here. See, because in verse, uh, verse, uh, verse 11, he tells him to go out. And he says, He passed by, and the strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. So he's done all these things. That he's making all this big noise around him. He's making sure, no distractions, I'm going to zoom in, you've got to hear my voice. And then he says, and after that, after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, but after a fire, a still, small voice. Now there's something for the Christian, that when we pray, that we're in a room on our own, that's just you and the Lord, that we can hear the still, small voice of the Lord. It ain't just got to be some massive thing that he's got a big bellowing out of heaven. What this speaks to me here is, this is a heart to heart. This is what this is. This is getting Elijah into a place where Elijah can open up and say, what's really going on? What's really going on? And he gets Elijah here. You know, Elijah's run from a woman in fear. By the end of the chapter, he's going to be a man of faith. That's what's going to happen at the end of the chapter. And it's took 41 days to get to this point. Till Elijah is one-to-one having a conversation with God. And then God goes on to tell him, look, I've got Jehu. I've got him. I've got Elisha. Elisha the prophet. He said, I've got 7,000 that ain't even bowed the knee to bow. What are you worried about? If you had a... Talk to me at the start, I could have told you all that. 
But ain't that the same with us? If we'd have sought the Lord out to start, we wouldn't have had to run all that way for God, for God to talk to us. And that's after trouble. It makes us weak when we don't pray, we don't seek the Lord, we don't hear his voice. All it does is makes the enemy's attack worse, the fear gets worse, the running gets worse, and it gets you in a place of helplessness where you think you're on your own. No one loves me, Lord. If I was the, maybe I've been in church and thought, if I weren't here, would anyone notice? If I weren't here, would anyone notice if I was gone? You know, I'm not popular like some people and things like that. There've always been loads of people going there, but if I'm on, if I weren't here, would, they, would they have, anyone ever bother coming to me and seeking me out? Has anyone else thought like that, or is it just just me? I'm, but God cares. Listen, unfortunately, right? None of us in here are God. We do make mistakes. But we all care. Everyone cares. But the thing is, God cares. It don't matter what we're going through. I want you to get this into your mind. God cares about you. God loves you and he cares about you. And he waits, the Bible tells us that he waits to hear from you. And I think that's a great thing in itself, that the one that spoke the world into being, that created man out of the dust of the earth, would want to wait until I pray to speak with him. I think that's amazing because there's nothing great in me, there's nothing great in you, and yet the God of the universe who sent his son to die upon the cross delights to spend that time with me and you. He wants to hear you, hear you speak to him. And I think, and for my shame... I know it's for my shame that that can be the most neglected thing in my Christianity is spending time with the Lord. But, you see, at the end of, like I said, at the end of that chapter when he just tells him that, look, I've got Jehu here and Elisha and these prophets are bell. Now, for you and he, you might think, well, what's that doing me? They ain't going to do me no favours that he's got them there. But I've got scriptures in the New Testament here. They talk about fear that we, sh- that we shouldn't run. That we could, but because of what Jesus Christ did upon the cross at Calvary, there's no need for me and you to run in fear. There's no need for it. In Romans 8, 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage against a fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You know, that means this. Once... We were shackled by it. We were handcuffed. We were held prisoner. But what's happened? Because of what Christ done on the cross, we sing that song, my shackles are gone. It's broken. Our fear shouldn't be there. He hasn't given us that. We've been set free from that. The enemy's greatest trick is to try and get us back to there. What we've been saved from, we've been saved from all that rubbish, all that fear in this world, everything from there. Jesus is moving us in this direction. Heaven bound, going to glory, the narrow road, this is where Christ is leading us. And all the time the enemy's trying to pull us back and pull us back and pull us back into that life, into that life of imprisonment and wants to keep us there. But what he does, what, and what Christians fall for is that he can keep us there. When what's really happened, he's put you in a cell, but the door's left open because the enemy ain't got the lock for the cell. And you can walk out of here any minute you want. The enemy just keeps you there by fear. 
But it's one thing knowing that. It's one thing living in. It's one thing not living in fear. We've been set free. You know, in 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Again, the Bible tells us, like that. that's why it's a choice. God hasn't given you that. If God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, where's the fear coming from? Where's it coming from? If it ain't from God, it's for the enemy. But he's not given us that. See, the enemy gives you fear. God gives you power. That's the difference. God gives you power. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, we ain't got to listen to the enemy no more. When he goes, don't have to drag us back. You know when that starts, you say, hold up a minute. I might have slipped, I might have fell. But I repent, Lord, and I follow the Lord. I ain't got to listen to his lies no more. You've done that and you're a Christian. How can you go to church? Everyone's going to be talking about you. You ain't been here for so long. You ain't been to church for so long. They're all going to be talking about you when you go in there. Where's that coming from? Listen, I've been back to sleep before years ago. And when I went in there, everyone was pleased to see me. They weren't talking about me going, what are you doing back in here? No one was like that. But no one's like that. But the enemy wants to believe you to believe the lies. We ain't been given that. We ain't to be timid. We're not meant to be timid Christians, frightened Christians of the enemy. We're not meant to be frightened. Listen, it ain't an equal battle between the devil and the Lord. It ain't equal. It's a no contest. Amen. It's just a no contest. But the tr- and the truth of the matter is, just follow Jesus. Keep your eyes on him and follow him. That's the truth of the matter. All the, fear, you know, all the fear and everything happens. You know, we go over that way because we ain't walking in it. That's when it happens. Listen, I'll thank the Lord for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for it. Thank him for the power. Thank him for the sound mind that he's given you. Then when the enemy can speak, go, hold up, hold up a minute. You're speaking to mind. The enemy's speaking to your mind and pressuring you and pressuring you. You can say, Lord, you can pray and say, Lord, I know this is not you. Because your word says you give me a spirit of a set. You give me a sound mind, Lord. And Lord, in your name, Lord Jesus, I pray that these attacks come no more. And God honors his word. We serve a God that, in fact, Psalms tells us. He says that God puts his word above his own name. God honors his word. We ain't meant to be frightened. Hebrews 13.6 says, he says, So let me make boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear for what can man do to me. What can, what can, what, what's the worst that can happen in other words? Why fear? Do we know where we're going? If the rapture happens, we go home to be with the Lord. If trials and tribulations happen in our life, they say, why fear? I'm with you. It's like, the way I'm picturing it is like this. He said all these great things to us. And then when I'm going through it, Jesus is there going, and I'm worrying, worrying about things, worrying about this and that, and everything's going on. And Jesus is there, and I'm thinking, and he's there beside me going, I know enough for you. I know what I've said enough for you. I know I've comfort enough for you. I've said I'll get you through it. Ain't that enough for you? And I'm too busy focusing on the problem about what's going on that I'm not even hearing him. He's my helper. 
He's my helper. If everyone in here let me down, if I was going through something and not one of you has come and helped me, the Lord's my helper. The Lord's there. But the trouble is, after the time I don't hear him. And that's the trouble. I don't take notice. And I, st- and I do think of this. When I realise what the Lord's teaching me or letting me go through, the quicker I hear his voice and what he wants to learn me, I'll get through the other side of it. But it's my own, my own fault. And in 1 John 4.18 it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. See, what does fear, fear involve? Torment. Who's the one that loves you? Who's the one that... In fact, one John goes on later to say that he lavishes his love upon you. Now he just pours his love upon you. We, listen, because of the love of God, we ain't got the fear. He's our God, he's my God, he's yours. But none of us have got the fear in this place. And, and this is what the scriptures I'm going to read now. I think, out of all of them, I think these two are probably the more fearful that we do fear. Do not fear those, Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot, can, cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able both to destroy the soul and body in hell. I think probably nine times out of ten, we have to have the opposite way around. We don't fear God. We fear what man can do. We fear the threats of man. Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying this to you. If a man threatens you to like, act all silly and go, I'm not fearful. Look, it's one thing, fear going into you. But there's another thing, bringing it to the Lord and the Lord getting it from you. Because everyone, if, if I'm threatened, so, sometimes I do get threat. But just give it to the Lord. Just go, give it to the Lord. But right, listen, if, if someone threatens to come and beat you up or whatever, listen, it's a fearful thing. I remember I heard a testimony years ago. It was um, Dan Rooney. He said, I was in my trailer praying. He said, and a man was trying to rip the door off the trailer, trying to get into me to, to fight me. He said, I'm there before the Lord praying. And praying and praying, please, Lord, please don't let this man in. And the man ended up going away. I think the man ended up getting saved. But I think what happens is when situations come along, we don't turn straight to the Lord, do we? How many of you have been threatened? And the first thing you do, pick the phone up, pack the bags, they're coming for us. But how many get on your knees and go, Lord... I don't know what the outcome of this is. But one thing I do know is that you're my elder. That your word says, don't fear. And then he says, and this one, I think, if you have to provide for your families, I think this one really is its own. Matthew 10, 31, it says, Do not fear, therefore, for you're more value than many sparrows. Before that, it's talking about where am I going to get bread at? Or when he talks about Sodom and the lilies of the field, where am I going to get clothing? I think for many here, I think that's the one that brings the most fear. Not being able to pay the bills. You know, and keeping your family you know, fed and 
and that. Am I right? He said, we all see, if you have a bad couple of weeks, that fear can set in. And what happens is we panic. And it's very hard not to panic because we all need money. But yet we've got to go back to what Jesus said. Do not fear. Listen, I've been saved for 19 years this year. And the Lord has kept me for 19 years. As you can see, I'm well fed. The Lord ain't let me down. There's been times, listen, I'm, I know there's been times in, in my Christian, Christian walk where we've had a fiver left to buy the children's shoes or go to church, go and worship the Lord. And Mary's not here, but you can ask her. So we went and worshipped the Lord and still ended up getting the child's shoes. Not on our part, but he said, well, what? It's the Lord. The Lord says it takes care. We've got to be people of faith. I remember, I'll share this with you. When I first went forward as a trainee, I never had a, couldn't afford a trailer. Couldn't have, never had the money for a trailer. All right, and we went to church. Um, went to church, and I was driving, in fact, was driving home that night, and I'm moaning to Mary in the front of the motor. Right, and I went, I love to go to the retreat. We ain't got a trailer, so can't get one. It's not going to happen. And my, my Obi limped over the seat. And he went, Dad, he went, Jesus wants to get you a trailer. He'll get you one, won't he? That's what he said, right? And I went, yep, son, praise the Lord, you're right. Forgive me, Lord. About a week later, I went to church. David Brazil was, it was that when the old, in um, Allington. They stood there, he went, do you want a trailer? I said, yeah. I said, I said, I'd like my trade. I said, but I can't afford one. He said, I ain't got the money. He went, well, do you want it? He said, I never asked you if you got the money. He said, do you want a trailer? I said, I haven't got no money. I said, I can't. I, I said, of course I love one. He went, look, I found a trailer. He said, listen. He said, we might have to make one out of two or three. He said, but we get you a trailer. Right? So we went. You, 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 who went with us? Yeah, wasn't it? We went there. We went there and it was, uh, what was it? West yeah, West Kingsdown. And we went in there and there's like, man, that trailer's ruined everywhere. There was one good one, Tom, wasn't they? Well, good one. It was, <laughs> it was in stinging nettles as high as that, wasn't it? It was in stinging nettles as high as that, right? He's pulled it out. We've gone to other trailers, haven't we? We've got bunks out of other trailers, chucked them in. Robert put a floor in it, didn't he? Put a floor in it. He's pulled it back. Mary's come out. He's gone, listen. Tom's gone, listen. Don't worry about the inside. Right? The first thing he said. <laughs> right? That's what he said. But when she opened it, she went, I ain't worried about that. She went, I'm not worried about that. I've got my trailer. We're going. And it won't, listen, it won't my faith. My little boy's faith there enough to go, look, the Lord can keep your trailer. But did the Lord provide? This not a love to... I don't know, a nice new hobby or something to go away, go away in. It was pulled out of stinging nails like that and full of dirt, Tom, wasn't it? Full of dirt. And he'd done us two years. And you had it. Jim had it. Jim Baker had it. Listen, the Lord provides. Listen, I had no money to get to the trailer. Get, get one. Listen, I'm, uh, being a man, I'm not picky anyway. Right? I'm not really picky, but I, I do understand that women like... That things look clean and lovely. And to be honest, I was worried about taking it home to Mary. But, it was, but listen, it, it was like, 
I brought a million pound home for her. Because she wasn't worried about what it was. She was worried about getting to the retreat. That's what she was worried about. And I think, and it, it taught me a lesson. It taught me a lesson that day. If the Lord's got me, wants me to go somewhere, where God guides, he will provide. And he always does. And listen, I know all you have got testimonies here that our Lord can provide for you. We're still here, still here after nearly 20 years. Please, Lord, the rapture will happen or another 20. But I want, I want you to understand that, that you're valuable to God. That you're valuable. Your walk with him is valuable. That's why he says he'll provide for you. Not only does he do what Charles said, like, like we say, grows through faith, but even does the works that you're meant to, meant to do, he provides all that. Where he provides for every need that we need, physically and spiritually, God provides. And lastly, it's my favourite psalm in the scripture, Psalm 23. Uh, 23 verse 4, it says, Yes, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff will comfort me. And I think for us, that should sum it up. Why? Why wouldn't he fear no evil? Because God was with him. And that should sum it up for all of us. Why not fear? Because the shepherd's with you. And that's, that's, that's why, at the end of the day, that's all it boils down to. Stay close to the shepherd. Hear his voice. Jesus said this, he says, My sheep hear my voice. You're going through something in here? Listen for the master's call. Pray. Seek the Lord. When you get home tonight, go in your room, shut the door, kneel by the edge of the bed, and pray out to the Lord. Say, Lord, I need to hear you tonight. I'm going through this, I'm going through that. Your word says, Lord, that you're my comfort, that you comfort me, and God will give you comfort. You're his child. But we're not the fear. We're not the fear. We've got a God. We've got an heavenly Father who loves us. Whose son's gone to prepare mansions for us. Preparing us for eternity. Provides for our every need. We've got the enemy that comes against us. And Jesus has already had the victory and says, look. You're winning. Keep going. Don't draw back. But most of all, stay close to me. Stay close to me. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we, we thank you, my God. We, we, we thank you for who you are, my God. And that, that Lord, your angels saved us and left us. But we thank you that you've saved us, that you've provided for our every need, physically and spiritually, Lord. That anything we go through, Lord, you've provided the strength to go for it, my Lord. And Lord, we thank you that you're our shepherd that you take care of your sheep, my God, and we thank you, Lord, that, that you are our comfort. No matter what we feel, what we go through, Lord, no matter what, what dark time in our life, my Lord Jesus, whatever it is, that if we draw close to you, you'd comfort us, my Lord. And we want to tell you that we love you for that, my Lord. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.